Welcome to the SF Weekly Podcast. I'm Nick Veronin, your editor in exile, and I'm not joined by anybody today. Kevin, the hardest working photographer in Bay Area News, Hume, is taking some very much earned R&R. So, you may have heard we're under new ownership here at SF Weekly. Our parent company, the San Francisco Media Company, has been sold by its bigger parent company, Black Press, a Canadian media conglomerate, to a local media company, Clint Riley Communications. The news is fresh, and I don't know too much more than that right now, but the change of hands officially takes place January 1st. Riley, a native San Franciscan, has numerous real estate holdings in the city, has previously run for mayor, and currently owns the Knob Hill Gazette and Gentry Magazine. With his acquisition of SF Media Company, he will take possession of SF Weekly, our sister paper, the San Francisco Examiner, and our company's printing press. It's big news for many reasons, but I think the headline here is that SF Weekly and the Examiner are once again locally owned. Support your loco, people. With that said, uh, I'm going to wrap it up. Without Kevin chiming in with insights and mercifully laughing at my lowbrow humor, it's just not the same. Coming up on this week's podcast, I'll talk with Benjamin Schneider about his latest cover story on the corner stores of San Francisco. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're here with Benjamin Schneider, staff writer for SF Weekly. In this week's issue of the paper, Ben takes a look at a handful of San Francisco corner stores. These independent businesses have been hit hard by the pandemic, even as they have demonstrated just how essential they are to the communities they serve. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thanks for having me, Nick. Sure. So corner stores are a big part of San Francisco's identity. Can you say a little bit more about the role they play in the city? Yeah, I think anyone who has lived in San Francisco for any period of time has probably been to a corner store and at least gotten a little bit of a taste of the culture of San Francisco corner stores. They're the places you can go at virtually any hour to pick up uh, some food, some snacks, alcohol, um, until very recently, Swisher Sweets uh, for rolling blunts or other uh, uh, smokable <laughs> experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, that's thanks to the, the uh, flavored tobacco ban that went right. into effect last year. Um, but they're not just places for uh, you know, guilty pleasures. Uh, these stores are often the only place to get food in low-income neighborhoods like the Tenderloin and the Bayview Um and they're kind of hubs for community as well. They're, they're places where people from all walks of life, all ages um, can go to, to get what they need, um, whether that's, uh, you know, a drink at the end of the day or some toilet paper <laughs> at a, um, in, in, a, in a tight spot. Um, and so I, I thought it was really important to, to learn more about what these stores mean to San Francisco and um, kind of meet some of the characters who are, um, keeping these stores going for so many decades. Uh, that's one of the cool things about San Francisco's corner stores is that many of them are run by really interesting people who have been at this job for a long time um, and, and I think really contribute to the spirit of the city. 
Cool. Yeah. So, so what have corner store owners been seeing since the onset of the pandemic? So they were classified as essential businesses right when the pandemic got started and, and San Francisco went into shelter in place. Um, and that meant that they saw a really big uptick in business generally uh, in those early days in March and April when people were stocking up on food, on toilet paper, paper towels, uh, cleaning products. Um, and also many other people were kind of worried about going to the big grocery stores and um, catching the virus there. So corner stores were doing really well and they were running out of products. Um, they were busy. Uh, but then as the pandemic has dragged on, um, many have seen their, their business decline, um, especially those corner stores in and around downtown that served um, the office workers and other people who, who worked there. Um, now that most everyone who can is working from home, those stores have, have really seen their business drop off. So as part of that, um, owners are kind of, corner store owners are on the front lines of San Francisco's economy. They're seeing what's happening to the city in real time. Fuad Atea, the longtime owner of Fred's Liquor on Valencia and DuBose, um, who has a really close relationship with many of his customers, has said that several of them, more than he can count, have come in and told him that they're leaving the city. Um, and so he, he knows firsthand that there are a lot of people leaving right now. Um, and so that sort of puts a human face behind this uh, tech exodus that, that people have been talking about, but it's been hard to actually um, quantify. And so people like Fouad are seeing people leaving the city. Um, they're seeing new kinds of products that people are buying as lifestyle shift. Um, Tina Omar at Chew Fat Market in Noe Valley, um, which is kind of a, a techie neighborhood, um, has noticed that people are buying a lot more chips and cookies and ice cream, um, the kind of things that you'd imagine tech workers would have easy access to in their offices. Um, so these, these owners are really seeing in real time um, what's happening with the city. Um, and unfortunately for a lot of them, uh, what's happening is that their business is going down and there are just fewer people around to, to patronize these stores. You opened up by uh, mentioning that you know people might think of these these places, especially since a lot of them have the word liquor in the name mm -hmm. as as a place to, as as a place to get some guilty pleasures. But um, some of these places um, have more than just you know forties. Uh, 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 they they have nice wines. They have imported cheese. What are some of the things that people might find surprising that these these stores carry? Yeah, well, I think uh, one thing I noticed as I was researching this article and, and visiting several corner stores is that uh, there's really a wide variety of these kinds of stores. There are, there are some that really sell primarily um, wine and liquor um, and others that are essentially mini grocery stores that primarily have fresh food. Um, and in, in others, you see a lot of uh, like paper products and um, even things like, um, you know, staple staplers and, um, you know, stationary type thing. Um, so in some ways, corner stores are like little neighborhood general stores um, that have almost everything you could imagine in some cases. Um, so I guess the lesson from this article is that it's hard to stereotype San Francisco's corner stores as one kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of variety um, and it really depends on the neighborhood. And I think also over time, the, um, the offerings of these stores have evolved um, and are going to continue to evolve in the future. 
Yeah, over time. Um, these stores have been around for a while. We'll get to that in a second, but you just made me think of something. I mean, these stores uh, were earned, they earned a, an essential um, service uh, um, tag at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and, you know, that's because they have food and, and they have essentials that, that people need. Um, but it, it strikes me that they are um, essential, not just to living, um, but but to living in a walkable city. Because mm. if there's so many of these, that allows you to not get in a car when you, you know, just need some some basics, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I found it interesting as I was going around visiting different corner stores to notice very specifically where they're located. Um, it's pretty common to see a corner store right in front of a bus stop, like on Fillmore Street, um, you know, up, up in kind of Western Edition, Fillmore and McAllister. There's a, there's a store that's kind of at the top of a hill right in front of a bus stop. Um, they're in places that are, that are easy for people to get to in the nearby apartment buildings. Um, and, and one thing that uh, Fouad Atea mentioned to me is that many of his customers are older people, um, people with disabilities who, who don't drive um, and who patronize his store as the main place where they get groceries and their household essentials. Uh, so I think the, the persistence um, of, of San Francisco's corner stores over uh, so many decades, um, Fouad Atea has been in business for 46 years at that location, uh, is, is a testament to, to the kind of culture of walking in San Francisco and the density of the city. The fact that these little stores actually provide essentials to so many people um, in these neighborhoods where there are these large apartment buildings and people are walking everywhere. So as you said uh, just a moment before, these stores have been around for a long time. And um, actually, they they play more than uh, just a role in, in providing people with toilet paper and, like you said, staplers and food. But um, at one time, they were a major political force in the city. You touch upon this in your story. How did that come to pass? Yeah, so it started in kind of an unexpected way. Back in 1974, there was a big strike against Gallo Wines, um, which was and still maybe is one of the best-selling products at um, corner stores in San Francisco. It's kind of a, a cheap, fortified wine. Um, and what happened was the farm workers there, um, who were represented by the United Farm Workers and organized by legendary activist Cesar Chavez, were protesting their working conditions and wages and were pushing um, customers and stores to stop, to boycott those, those products of Gallo Wines, um, to push the company to, to provide, uh, to do better by their workers. And so what happened was San Francisco's corner stores were caught up in this boycott, and they were selling Gallo Wines and um, being boycotted by people who were trying to support this strike. Uh, and so for a group of, of corner store owners, um, including Fuadatea, uh, way back in 1974, this really didn't sit right. And, and they wanted to join the strike and be part of this solidarity with, with the farm workers. And so they negotiated with the union and eventually came up with a deal that allowed them to actually join the strike and stop selling the wine themselves and thus um, enable customers to come back in and buy other things at their stores. Um, and so through that uh, kind of political organization and negotiation, this group called the Arab American Grocers got formed. Um, and this is a group of largely Palestinian immigrants who um, basically organized the corner store sector. The, at that time, um, a pretty significant majority of corner store owners were Palestinian immigrants, um, as well as some other um, immigrants of, of Arab descent. 
Um, and so they created this trade organization that at its peak had 700 stores um, all under one umbrella. And by the 80s and 90s, uh, those stores were really important in local politics because um, at that time, San Francisco supervisors ran citywide. So being able to get your, your uh, campaign sign on all 700 of those stores was an enormous advantage. Um, and, and Fouad told me, you know, every major candidate you could think of who, who was successful in the 80s and 90s probably had the support of the Arab American grocers. Um, so they really did make a big impact on city politics back at that time. Um, since then, uh, starting in 2000, you know, uh, district supervisorial elections got started. So um, supervisors ran in a more narrow geographic area, their kind of immediate neighborhood. Um, and the, the membership of the Arab American grocers has, has dwindled, um, although, you know, it's still a pretty significant group. There are about 400 members now. Uh, and so they're not exactly the same kind of political force they once were, but it's still a pretty significant trade organization uh, representing these corner stores. Yeah, that's, that's a really cool element of your story. So what are some of the challenges that corner stores face now going forward, uh, other than the pandemic, I mean? So as I mentioned, corner stores don't have the political clout they once did. Um, and I think as a result of that, uh, they've been on the losing end of, of several uh, regulations and laws that have come down from the Board of Supervisors and, and the city government over the past uh, couple of decades. That kind of started in the mid-2000s when um, the city embarked on a series of uh, bans on new establishments selling alcohol in a bunch of neighborhoods throughout the city and um, instituted new fees and new um, laws around uh, holding corner stores accountable for crime that takes place uh, around their businesses, not just, not just within their businesses. Um, and so corner store owners you know, found these laws to be pretty unfair um, one of the, the owners I talked to, Miriam Zuzunis, describes them as broken windows era policies. Um, and several of these laws are still on the books, although they're not necessarily enforced um, in, a, in a significant way. In addition to that, there have been a lot of tobacco-related bans and regulations. Um, we have the, the vape ban that happened a couple of years ago. Um, more recently, flavored tobacco ban. Um, so these kinds of uh, laws really affect the bottom line of these businesses, um, you know, who tobacco is, is a major product for them. Um, so these are the kinds of things that have been really challenging corner stores lately. And um, a lot of the, the owners I spoke to are not necessarily outright against these policies. Um, another one being a so the soda tax that got started uh, three or so years ago. Um, they, they just want to have more support from the city um, to, to make up for the lost revenue of these products and to, to kind of more easily transition into other areas where they can sell different things. Um, and so right now they're, they're fighting for that flexibility. Um, and the way they're doing that is uh, the Arab American Grocers Association has spun off a new group called the Neighborhood Business Alliance, which is supposed to be um, a big tent uh, advocacy group for, for corner stores and corner store owners of all backgrounds 
um, that is really poised to, to once again kind of make a bigger political impact and, and push for the kinds of policies that corner stores want to see. Um, some of the things that they're interested in doing include selling CBD at stores, uh, selling art, and increasing their, their deli and cafe offerings. Um, some stores are interested in putting out chairs and tables outside, similar to sort of a sidewalk cafe type thing. So there's a lot of promise, um, a lot of exciting um, mobilization happening there. Um, and I think as a result, we might see corner stores evolve quite a bit in the next few years if, if the city allows these more flexible uses um, of those spaces. All right. Well, you can read um, Ben's cover story on SF Corner Stores in this week's edition of SF Weekly. Also this week, uh, we have our best of 2020 edition. Um, Better Late Than Never usually comes out in May, but it's been an exceptional year. Pick up the paper to read Ben's piece and to uh, see which of your favorite corner stores or dentists or bars or clubs, uh, one, took the top spot this year, and two, see some of our editors picks um it's always fun for us to get to weigh in and and let people know uh where we like to get a drink after work where we like to get a sandwich etc um thanks for joining us today ben thanks so much nick thanks so much for tuning into this week's edition of the sf weekly podcast the episode was produced by me, Nick Veronin. Our engineer is Mike Huguenor. For more hot takes, deep dives, and alternative views on San Francisco news, subscribe to our podcast through Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Follow us on SoundCloud and check out our website, sfweekly.com. See you next week. Hold up. 